that. How many ever had that time in your life where there's somebody that you know or somebody you see and you've had that thought that you're like, boy, they're so needy. You ever had somebody that you kind of thought that about? They're just so needy. And we kind of say that with a little bit of almost contempt maybe towards somebody. But I was thinking as I was leading us into worship, if ever there is a place that we need to be needy, that every single one of us are needy people, that is our need of the Lord. Scripture wasn't joking when it said, without him we can do nothing. And so it's okay to realize there is something when we acknowledge our need for him. And I am so thankful that our need for him is never a burden to him, but that he loves us and cares for us that much. Well, I want to be one of the first to say, I know that it's this coming up Thursday, but happy Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving is an interesting holiday. It is a holiday that we get a chance to to stop and just declare our thanks and, and recognize our need of him. And as we do that, I was thinking about that. You know, there's, there's just certain holidays that would almost be a crime to not speak on that particular holiday. And I believe that this is definitely one of them. And so I began to look back and think through some things. There was a story I'd heard years ago that I'd kind of file away. Every now and then when I hear a certain story, I file that away. I say, okay, I'm going to use that eventually. And so I kind of categorize it, you know. And, and, but uh, have you ever heard of a writer by the name of Rudyard Kipling? Anybody ever heard of him? Lived in the uh, 1800s and towards the later 1800s, he really reached, reached a place where by today's standards, we'd almost consider it rock star status. That he was very well known in his day and his time, and he was such a successful writer that he wrote so many books and things that were very successful. Anybody ever read or seen the movie The Jungle Book? That was his. And the interesting thing about that is it came out there was an article that was written where some reporter had gone to the trouble that they had researched his income from his writings and somehow they had narrowed it down. And this article came out in the paper stating that Rudyard Kipling during that time was valued at earning $100 per word that he had written. Now imagine that back in the 1800s. That's a lot of money. So he happened to be, the story goes, he was out on the street one day and a person walked up to him and actually pulled out a $100 bill and handed it to him and said, I read the article saying that your words were worth $100 a word, so here is a $100, give me one of your $100 words. He reaches out and he takes the $100, looks at it, puts it in his pocket and says, Thanks. <laughs> but you know what? If you, this, it's a funny story, but as you really think about it, if ever there's a word that's a $100 word, thanks would probably be that word. You know, we're, we're walking through a season and a time that we're headed into the holiday season. And I don't know about you, but it seems like every year, especially the older I get, that it seems like these, these holidays come around faster. And it takes me a little bit longer to kind of get into that spirit because you realize, whoa, where did the year go? And then you hear, we hear this discussion. I've, I've been seeing it on Facebook and everywhere. And you see this discussion of, on how early is too early to put the Christmas decorations out. How many of you are like, I get them out as early as I can. Let me see your hand. How many of you, it takes you a little longer to get there and get your decorations out, right? And so you see this debate going on, and my thought is, you know, it really doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever you feels good for you, then do it. But we hear comments like, boy, I wish it could be Christmas all year round, But I really think from God's perspective, he's probably saying, I wish it could be Thanksgiving all year's round. 
Because what do we do? We, we, we love all the things, but sometimes we're just not the best at saying thank you. Psalms 100, I read it before they got into worship this morning. Psalms 100 verse 4 says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Anybody here ever have a uh, little private club or something when you were a kid that you were part of? Kind of maybe you and your friends. I know that was that was a big thing when I was a little kid. And, and I remember being as a kid, I would be getting ready for school. And I know that I'm really making myself old here. But I'd be getting ready for school and they would have... The thing to watch at that time was Slam Bang Theater that came on in the mornings before you got ready to go to school. And I would get up early to watch that, and they would play Little Rascals episodes, the old black and white, you know, original thing. And and one of the things was was they they were always into all these things, this group of kids, and they and they had this secret club. And it was called the He-Man Woman Haters Club. Now, that would be politically incorrect today. There had to be a special password to get in. And kind of the funny thing was is they would always, Alfalfa would always try to find a way to smuggle Darla into the, into the club. Yeah. But you know what? I would say that if God kind of has a group, and I know it's based on our relationship with Jesus Christ, but I bet if there was a password, that password would be thanks. Having a thankful heart towards what he did for us. If you look at our passage today, it says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's almost as if that's the price of admission. To have a thankful heart. Enter his courts with praise. You know, we worship and praise him this morning. You know, sometimes I'm asked, why is it you guys are so exuberant with your, with your worship and some of those things? Because you know what? Because of my thanks for him, how can I not be exuberant when we think about what he's done for us? You know, sometimes thanks goes beyond just saying thank you. Sometimes thanks goes to the point of praising the one that did something for you. You know, this particular psalm, Psalm 100, it's only five verses long, and we're going to walk through that today. But you know what it was? It was a call to worship. It was a psalm that was used as the people would travel in to the courts in the temple area. And, and it makes that statement that we enter his courts with thanksgiving, or enter his courts with praise, enter his gates with thanksgiving. There is something powerful about that. I was thinking about that. What if, as believers, what if, as the church, we got back to that idea of using that as an example? What if, instead of, and I'm not trying to step on toes this morning, although that may be a byproduct of what I'm getting into this morning, but what, I'm, you know, how, what would it be like? Because I know what it's like to get up early. I know what it's like to get ready. I know, I, you know, it's just the two of us now. But I remember when our kids were younger and the stuff you have to go through to get everybody ready and get everybody there. And, and you know, it never fails. There's going to be some argument. There's going to be something that happens. And, and we go through this stuff to get there. But I was thinking about this passage of Scripture. I was thinking about Psalms 100. What would it be like if we got up with anticipation of going and praising his name? What would it be like if we got up with this idea that I'm going to give thanks for what is done for me? And then we showed up with, with almost early with this anticipation. I mean, can you picture what it must have been like for those people going in? Because, you know, there wasn't a church on every corner then, so everybody came in to the community. Can you imagine the anticipation of the crowd and the scene of everybody coming together and this whole idea of enter his gates with thanksgiving and its courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. If that that was on everybody's mind, you can imagine the, the joy and the spectacle that it would have been. I know years ago we went and we got a chance to go stand even though the temple's not there anymore, getting to walk into that courtyard area, get to walk in that area where the wailing wall is and just seeing even today the, the throne of people that are headed in there and to see people praying and laying hands and touching that wall. What if we brought that anticipation of meeting with God and that thankfulness back into our lives? 
What if we showed up with anticipation that God was actually going to do something? If we really thought he was going to be here and we really thought he was going to do something and we were really thankful for what he's done, wouldn't we show up with a a little bit more enthusiasm? Wouldn't we show up with a little bit more of an effort to really be on time and get in anticipating that God was going to do something? Wouldn't it take less time for the worship team to get us stirred up and kind of into that mode? I know that's heavy stuff this morning, but that's, as I was really thinking about being thankful, isn't that what it's all about, to enter his courts with praise? See, as we think about it, we have a heritage of thanks. Not just in the Bible, but in the early founding of this country. I mean, think about it, in, in around 1621, when the first pilgrims settled on this land and they were trying to colonize it and and they had gone through a very rough winter but God had blessed them they'd come out and the harvest had taken place and I'm sure that if you were in school you remember the story that that the pilgrims and the Indians got together and they said we're going to have a day of thanks and they prepared this feast have you seen the Red Bull commercial I saw it last night there was that actually the shows a pilgrim walking out to a little fence in area and there's a there's a pig and a sheep and a cow and a and a turkey and and as the pilgrims approaching one of them pulls out a can of red bull and drinks it and flies off and they pass it to another one and they drink it and it flies off and another one drinks it and, and flies off with a little red bull gives you wings thing and, and the the turkey goes to grab it and it's all gone and so the turkey gets chosen for the thanksgiving dinner Yeah, but, but, but yet they, they had, what I love is they knew that their provision during this difficult time, they knew where the provision came from. You know, I don't know about you, but I get tired of when I see somebody almost disparage God's provision and making comments like, Lord, thank you for this food, and then shows a picture of a farmer doing all the work and them working their job and paying for it and all these things like, you know, what are we thanking him for? Well, he's the one that gave us the ability to work that job. He's the one that provided for those things. He's the one that created the conditions that those crops would grow. And these people understood that and they gave thanks. And then you fast forward a little bit in our nation in in its early days, President George Washington made this declaration. He said, you know, he said, we're going to have a national day of thanks. And in 1789, George Washington made a public proclamation. And I know we have people all the time that try to say that this nation was not founded on Christian principles. But if you go back and you read the writings of our founding fathers, there is no question. I mean, think of this. There's all kinds of holidays that we kind of imported from other nations and other places, but Thanksgiving is truly an American Christian holiday where our nation declared we're going to give thanks to our nation's God for his provision. So I looked it up, and I want to read just a few excerpts from George Washington's proclamation. He says, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God and to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress, wow, the president and both houses of Congress in agreement, wouldn't that be nice? Have by the joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many single favors of Almighty God. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, to be devoted to by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent offer 
author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be. Wow. Let that sink in. From our very first president, the words coming out of his mouth. You know, despite all the early struggles, our early pilgrims understood their need for thankfulness. Despite all the struggles of bringing this nation into being, our early nation understood the value that they couldn't accomplish any of that by themselves. And no matter how bad our daily struggles, we should give thanks knowing that we couldn't accomplish any thing alone you know just the fact that we got this far you know I'm not going to ask for a show of hands but I bet if I were to ask how many of you thought that there was a point in time this is it I'm not going to make it like Meredith said I'm facing that cliff and I, my next step is going to be my destruction and yet somehow that destruction never came about because of the mighty hand of God. We all should be thankful for the things that he's done. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, how many of you have ever been in that point where you read that passage and you say, Oh boy, I don't know about giving thanks in all circumstances. Maybe you say, you don't understand the 2019 I've had. And we've all been there. But how many know it could always be worse? Isn't it going to be interesting to get to heaven and to see all the times that he saved us in miraculous ways from disaster because of his love and his goodness? And sometimes, yes, we go through things, but we all, but we can go through those things, and we can still have thanksgiving in those times because of Romans eight twenty eight, and it says, "And now we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to His purpose." That's one of the things that we remind each other all the time. There are, there are things that we walk through at times just like anybody else. When we think we've, you know, how many you ever had it where you have it all figured out? God's going to do it just like this, and then he doesn't do it like that, and you're standing there and you're going, what in the world? And then sometimes when you get on the other side of things, you look back and you say, oh, I see why that didn't work out like that. Because he sees the things that we don't see. You know, we can give thanks in all circumstances because it's the best way to enter into his favor. <clears throat> we can determine, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I mean, you grew up, you were told that uh, thank you was one of the two magic words. Please and thank you. Now, how do you feel when you do something for somebody? And you, I mean, you go all out, you think it through, and you do something for them, and you're so excited to give a gift, or you're so excited to do something for them, and then you're kind of met with this idea of, well, you were supposed to do that in the first place, and you don't, and there doesn't seem to be any, almost a, an attitude of, I deserve this. It's not exactly the most exciting thing, is it? Can you imagine how our father must feel sometimes when he goes all out for us and, and perhaps we don't have the best attitude and, and he does these miraculous things for us, but we're so focused on what he didn't do the way we wanted him to do it that we don't stop to say thank you. But what we need to understand is this is a feeling that Jesus himself knows all too well. Luke chapter 17, we have this story of Jesus comes upon these 10 lepers and he miraculously heals them. And they walk away healed. They walk away well. And only one of them comes back and Jesus makes this comment. Then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed? <clears throat> Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. 
I don't know about you, but I'll be, I want to be one of the ones that returns, one of the ones that acknowledges with thankfulness in my heart what he has done. I'm not going to get into the whole story, but years ago, Kim had a uh, <clears throat> allergic reaction to medication, and her breathing and stuff ceased. We were living in Saxe at the time. We called the 911, and they came, and, and uh, I mean, she was literally a picture I don't want to ever see again. My boys hate to talk about this, but she was literally looking at us and saying her goodbyes. And the paramedics showed up, and they, they worked to save her, and I was riding in the front of the ambulance, and I could hear the noise going on behind me of them trying to save her life, which obviously they did. Through God's hand, one of the things that Kim had it on her heart to do was she made a big old deal of banana pudding and took it up to the fire station, found out exactly when that crew was working and dropped it by and said, I just want to say thank you. We got a chance to visit with those guys. You know what we heard? That that was a rare thing for people to do. We're like, wow. You know, maybe we all should walk through life with a little more of thanks in our heart for things that are done. Yes, that was their job. But you know what? I am sure glad they took their job seriously that day. See, we all need our reality checks. Thanks is the magic word. We need to focus not on what we don't have, but what we do have and what we've been blessed with. And it's all about our perspective. Can you imagine? I mean, how many of you ever were told something like, eat your peas because children in China are starving? You know, I remember some of that stuff when I was growing up. Because there are certain things I didn't like. And we see those things. But you know what? I was thinking mission trips or such a reality check. Have you ever gone somewhere and done something where you just get this reality check of, of what it is that, that's been done for us and how good we have it? Years ago when I got a, had a chance to go to South Africa, we were there and we were ministering to people and we drove by places that they literally kind of called shantytown or whatever and it was just whatever people could throw together and lean up against out of scrap stuff and there's a whole town made up of this stuff and you see how poor some people had to live their lives. And while we were there, there's a man that was working at the campground we were we were staying at, and I got to talking to him. He was, he was making our coffee every morning and just waiting on us to do stuff. And it was just the neatest young man. And I found out, because this is such a foreign concept to us, but he was working at the campground so that he could raise enough money to buy a donkey so that he could go and purchase his bride. A little bit of reality check, huh? Sometimes when you come back from those circumstances, you realize how good we really have it. Some of us went to Cuba just a couple years back and saw the way the people that we were there to help, the way that they were living. I tell you what, I came back and I didn't complain about anything for weeks. Yesterday, I've got a couple of pictures. Yesterday, we had our outreach just literally five minutes from here to a little community that's in need. And I was so excited. I want to brag on the people of this church. We had such a turnout. We have never done anything that we've had such a great turnout of people willing to work. We had a great turnout from the little community that we were working in, and that was incredible. But you know what was even more incredible? We outnumbered those that we were ministering to. And we got to serve them and wait on them and make sure that they didn't miss anything. We had some knitted caps we were able to give them. We, we gave each of them as they left the families that needed today a frozen turkey and some of the things so they could have their, not only did we feed them kind of a Thanksgiving meal, we also provided so that they could have a meal for their family. And just, and you know what's so cool? At the end, we're standing there and there's this big circle of people from the church and people in that little community. And we got to stand together and pray God's peace and God's presence over that little community. 
And Mitzi was telling me this morning that she's already gotten calls from people saying, we have never had people come and love on us like you have. See, that's part of, isn't that part of our thankfulness? And so as I was thinking about all these things, I, we're going to look at Psalm 100 for just the next few minutes. We're not going to take super long with this. But Psalms 100 has five verses. And I'm going to talk about the five rules of thanks. Verse 1 says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. You know what it means? You look at the root words, you get back, it literally means to shout with force of a trumpet blast. It means to proclaim out loud the goodness of the Lord, to worship Him outwardly and expressively. And so many times I hear people say, well, just well, exuberant worship just isn't my thing. I understand by nature I'm a little quiet and reserved person too. But there is something about when we sing about what God has done for me that I can't be still. There is something about that that stirs something in me. There's a thankfulness that makes me want to lift up and exalt his name because of what he's done for me. And it ought to be easiest for us because probably every one of us at some time, he solved that problem that we thought was insolvable. How many times have you prayed over a circumstance in your life and your mind is thinking and, and you're, you're just picturing all these worst-case scenarios, how this is going to be it, it's all going to blow up, it's going to be over, I'm done, kind of like the old Sanford and Son, this is it. But yet it turns out not to be it. Because there's somebody that's gone before us. Maybe you were in a situation where you had no direction to go, and all of a sudden he gave you direction. I experienced that recently. I was just like, Lord, what do we need to do as a church? Lord, I've got this, this, this church stuff that I'm trying to figure out. I've got things in my personal life I'm trying to figure out. And, and what seemed to so, so out there is like, almost like I was going around, what do I, what's next? then all of a sudden he gave me clarity in both things. Not that it's all figured out, but he showed me again and again, you just follow each step. I've got this. And it was so real that he's confirmed it. You know what? Circumstances are still there, but I have a peace. He's got it. Maybe he provided a, re- a blessing you didn't realize it was that, and all of a sudden you realize it came from God and from nowhere else. Or some, something, something inside of us should want to proclaim that truth and let other people hear it. I read a story years ago of a missionary that went to a region of India where they kind of had their own dialect. And it was a medical missionary. And this missionary went in, and his whole thing was because he was a doctor his whole thing was to meet the medical needs of this community. And come to find out, many people that were in this little community were going blind. There was a progressive blindness that was a part of what was happening in that community. And many of them were fine when they were younger, but as they got older, it was just rampant that the people were going blind. And he finally narrowed it down to what was going on and realized that there's a combination of some things and some, and some nutritional needs that they were missing in that particular community. <clears throat> and so... He developed a cure in a way. And so there were people that were in early stages of that that he was able to catch and restore their sight. There were, there were other people that were, that were able to walk through with that assurance now that they were not going to go blind like everybody else. But come to find out in their language, there was no word that declared thank you. He was never told thank you. But what he did discover is one of the words that they were saying they'd never heard before meant I will tell others your name. So we praise God when we lift him up, when we make a joyful noise to all the earth. That is a way of saying thank you. That is a way of giving thanks, saying I will proclaim your name. I will call out your name. I will exalt your greatness so that others may hear. That's what the psalmist was saying. Then verse 2 says this, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. 
So rule number two, serve the Lord with gladness. If we're told to be witnesses on his behalf, serving him like feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, if we do the work of the Lord and we serve him with gladness, that is another way to say thank you. That's part of the reason I was so excited yesterday when we showed up here at the church, you know, at 11 o'clock, and there were all these people that beat us here, and they were ready and eager to serve. I mean, we were ready to, to load stuff and move stuff, and I was ready, and, and, you know, I got to carry like two boxes, and people were trying to take that out of my hands. We had so many people that were ready to be a part and to serve. Jesus made this statement when he was talking about the day of judgment coming. And he was talking to them in Matthew 25, verse 40. He was talking about how the, the day was going to become, and there were going to be some that were saying, depart from me, I never knew you. Because I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. And they said, Lord, when did we see you like that? That we didn't do those things. And he says this in verse 40. And the king will ask them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Serving the Lord with gladness is an incredible way to say thank you for what he's done for us. See, many times we get so caught up in our own lives that we're so focused on our needs and our circumstances that we forget to lift up our eyes and see that there are others that are worse off than us. And somehow we get out of our comfort zone and we go and we serve somebody else. That's a way of saying thank you and awesome because then we realize how grateful we are because we can, how many know there's always somebody in worse shape than you are? You know, it's natural for us to desire our own needs to be met. But the psalmist says that whatever you do, serve the Lord with gladness. They're one of the, you know, if you're lacking fellowship with somebody else, you say, boy, I'm having trouble really getting plugged in the church. Serve with somebody. There is something about when you're serving the Lord together that that closeness and that connection takes place. There is something about when we go out and we meet somebody else's need that God has a way of meeting ours. I was talking to Missy yesterday. I said, you know what? Even if not a single one of these people ever walk in the doors of this church, we have still done what we're supposed to do, and God will see our efforts as a form of saying thank you, and he will bless us for doing what we're supposed to do. Then we see that rule number three is actually from that same verse. <clears throat> it says, come into his presence with singing. Now I'm sure some of you are saying, you haven't heard my voice. That's why I'm glad it says make a joyful noise. Because for some of us, it would be that noise. You ever been in a worship service somewhere where there's that person that can't sing and they think they can? And they're and they're I mean they're 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 louder than some of the other people. But you know what? When I hear that, I always think, you know, God's more interested in their heart. Doesn't mean we're gonna put them on the worship team. But they're making a joyful noise. That out of their hearts, they're speaking. We can all make a joy. If nothing else, clap. Try to be on rhythm, but you can clap. See, in the first three rules, God said, make a joyful noise. He said, serve with gladness. He said to come in with joyful songs. Now, why don't you look at the person to your left and to your right real quick. Do they look joyful or do they look grumpy this morning? 
Man, if ever there's a place that ought to be full of joy and life and celebration and loving one another, you know, no matter who you are or where you come from, you ought to be able to walk in these doors and say, this is my safe place. I am home. I am loved. I am cared for. And give glory to his name. You know, if we all learn to follow that, wouldn't we all get something out of service every single time we came? Let's look at verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Rule number four is pretty simple. Know that the Lord is God. There is no other. There is no power above him. And I know that we have an enemy, and I know that he attacks, and I know that we face things, but you know what? It's not a balanced conflict. There is one that is so much greater that the other that the other one can cause a little mischief, but he cannot win. As I talked about a few weeks ago, all he can hope to do is keep us contained. But when we walk through life with this thankfulness of heart, when we walk through life in power and in faith, and we just know that he is God, there is something in that that it can say, you know what? I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know every detail of every circumstance of a thing because we know that great people in the Bible went through stuff. If you're facing something, it doesn't mean the enemy's going to win. If you're facing something, it doesn't mean that you've sinned in some fashion that is causing this to happen to you. If you're facing something, it just means maybe you're walking through something to learn some lessons so God can get you where you need to be to work the miracle. And we talked on Wednesday night not too long ago about Joseph and all the stuff that he went through. You know, God had given him a dream. You're going to, people are going to bow down before you. You're going to be a ruler someday. And man, you can imagine for, for the length of time that he went through, there was years upon years where it was like, okay, did I really dream that? <laughs> but yet God was faithful to do that. We just have to know that he is God. You know, the great thing about Joseph is you never see that he doubted that God was God when he had every opportunity to do so. <clears throat> see, God made every bone. He spoke us into existence. As I've said many times, he spoke so much of creation into existence, yet we're the only ones that we see that he formed from the dust of the earth. I like to say that we're the ones he actually put his fingerprints on. So he's got you, and there should be a thankfulness for that. We need to know that he is God. And then when he says that, the next thing he says that we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I mean, we were here last week in the second service when uh, Levi Lutz was here speaking last week, and he did something that's a little different. He did a different sermon in each service. And in the, if you weren't here for the second service, he set up a little stand, and he pulled out this big, fat, stuffed sheep, and he set it on it, and he said, well, today, in the second service, we're going to talk about fat sheep. And he proceeded to kind of step on all of our toes pretty well. How that we have a tendency to get so concerned about self and feeding self that all of a sudden we reach that place where nothing is good enough anymore. That we lose our thankful hearts. But when you're hungry and you know that you're hungry for more of God, then all of a sudden it doesn't take as much to feed us and to get us excited. Wouldn't it be great? Anybody ever do this? Sometimes if I have somebody over and, and like, it's been a few years back, but we were, uh, just came to me. Meredith was becoming an intricate part of our lives and, 
and we got to talking, and we were kind of going through a list of some classic movies that she had never seen before, and we found out that she had never seen Princess Bride before, and we're like, oh, you've got to see this movie. Even though I've seen it many times, you ever notice, though, when you see it through the perspective of somebody that has never seen it before, you appreciate it all over again. And there's something about we know that he is God and we have the attitude of serving somebody else. We have the attitude of reaching out and, and letting somebody else see it from the same, from, the, from a fresh perspective that's never understood the things of God before. It almost puts us back to that place where we can see it anew and afresh through his eyes. We realize how much we have to be thankful for. Because we are the sheep of his pasture. And lastly this morning, verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. There is something about when we enter his gates with thanksgiving. And we enter his courts with praise. Praise from a thankful heart is the greatest praise ever. Remember what it was like when you first got saved? When you first gave your life to Christ? That every passage of scripture somebody read just, just made your soul, lit your soul on fire. Every song that was sang. You know, it did my heart good this morning to see both Kim and Meredith standing up here. And I know for them it's probably one of those things that's a little embarrassing where all of a sudden you're so overwhelmed with emotion that you can't even get the words out. But to me that means that it's so real and it's so pure that there ought to be a little bit of that humbleness in all of us. See, in the Old Testament, temple symbolized the presence of God. And it depends on where you go. In some circles, this room right here is called an auditorium. I like to refer to it more as a sanctuary, not because I'm all caught up in words. But sanctuary has more of a meaning of a place of his presence. But scripture takes it even further. It says that we're now temples of the Holy Spirit. And we're supposed to be a sanctuary of his presence everywhere that we go. And that, and because of that, there ought to be something in us that says, I'm going to worship. I'm going to live my life like I need to live my life because he needs to be glorified. What if we live life more with the attitude that God really is watching. Because there's a, probably all of us, there are certain things we wouldn't want anybody else to know. But he knows. It doesn't escape him. And what if we had that attitude that we are his temple and that there is something about following his rules and glorifying his name that when we do those things that's another way of showing thank you for what he's done I mentioned Christmas is just around the corner can you imagine what it'd be like if on that Christmas morning and you'd have you ever had a gift that you're just excited you can't wait for your kids or somebody to open up because you put so much thought into it. One of my favorites we ever did, we had surprised, both kids were much younger, and we had surprised our kids. We had saved up and we bought a trampoline. Probably the most used gift we had ever bought our kids. And and it was it happened to be one of those times, kind of like it is right now, that it was, it was unusually cold, and we were freezing. Our fingers were numb. The kids had gone to bed. We're out in the backyard, and we're trying to put this trampoline together so it'll be back there on Christmas morning, and our fingers are numb. It's cold, and we're shivering. Finally, a neighbor saw that what we were doing and came over and helped us, and we got this thing together. And I'll never forget on that Christmas morning, we put 
little clues together just to kind of led them from a place to place to place until finally to the backyard to see what we had given them. And we were not disappointed with the expression on their faces. But can you imagine the flip side of that if you'd gone to that much effort and it was met with a whole hum? It'd be next year is underwear and socks. But what about your heavenly father? What if he wouldn't bless us today because we didn't thank him yesterday? What if God answered our prayers the way we answer his call to service? What if God decided to stop leading us tomorrow because we did not follow him today? I know that's a little sobering, isn't it? How much more thankful should we be for what he's done for us? Psalms 100 ends with verse 5, and it says this, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. How many of you know that he's been way more good to us than we deserve? And so if we can accomplish anything this morning, I want us to just leave with a sense of awe of who he is and a heart of thanksgiving. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. We talked about entering his courts with praise. We thought We talked about worshiping him and making a joyful noise. And I thought, what greater way to do that than for us to practice that? So we're going to go back into worship for just a moment. And I want you to take what we talked about this morning, and I want you to worship him with through that lens this morning. And then, we're gonna, then I'm going to step back up and just pray a Thanksgiving blessing over you all before we leave this morning. For a moment, can we put the five rules to practice? Please stand with me.
many of you are thankful for what was done for us. Father, today we come before you and we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, even the very best among us fall so far short of your standards, but yet of your love for us. Lord, you gave us the greatest gift of all, your salvation. So today we say thank you. Lord, I pray today that we will, Lord, leave as we walk through this season, Lord. And it's great to get together with family and all the things that we do. Lord, help us to truly walk through this season and this time with this, with this, this attitude of thankfulness. Lord, I pray that you bless each one. Lord, let, remind us, Lord, just in subtle ways of what you've done. Let our hearts be thankful. Lord, let us worship you, Lord, with a little more exuberance. Let us let us follow your commands with a little more compassion and a little more passion for your ways because of what you've done for us. Lord, this morning, more than anything, we just say thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for being here today.